You're listening to Stage Combat, a mental health story of what really happened behind the scenes at the Goodspeed Opera House in East Haddam, Connecticut, during its 2019 production of Billy Elliot, the musical. Stage Combat is a true story of the narrator's personal experience during his mental health journey from 2019 to 2023. This podcast contains actor portrayals of actual events. The names of the members of the cast of Billy Elliot have been changed. Stage Combat contains strong language and addresses mental illness. Check the show notes for more details. Haywood Productions LLC offered Goodspeed Musicals, Inc., and the Goodspeed Opera House Foundation, Inc., the opportunity to include a statement in each episode of Stage Combat, including an option to deny the events as depicted. They declined. Haywood Productions also offered Goodspeed's artistic director and managing director the opportunity to appear on this podcast to discuss the narrator's account of his experience at the Goodspeed Opera House. They both declined. So, let's talk about stage combat. You've bought your ticket, and you've taken your seat. And you're in the audience of a live theater performance. You're watching soldiers fighting in a bloody battlefield as the character of Richmond fights against the forces of Shakespeare's Richard III. Or you're watching Lancelot and Camelot in a thrilling broadsword fight with the knights. Or you see Billy Bigelow in Carousel stab himself after a robbery goes wrong. Or you're watching two men and Billy Elliot in a dramatic bare-knuckled fistfight throwing violent punches and flinging bodies all over the good speed stage. Those are all roles I have performed. And in those shows, the actors are creating the illusion of violence. A person called the fight director comes into rehearsals, stages the combat sequences, and then they leave. After that, it's up to the fight captain, a member of the cast supervised by the stage manager, to listen to the actors and regulate the safety of the stage combat. Because stage combat is dangerous. One break in the link of the chain, one false move, and your life could be altered forever. This is season one Episode 4 of Stage Combat, Part 1, Solidarity Roadkill. It's Sunday, September 8th, 2019, the day off for the cast, and I have awakened at 4 a.m. I have this headache that feels like a knife is slicing through the front of my brain. I am curled up in a fetal position because my stomach is cramping like nothing I've ever felt before. I don't have food poisoning, and I don't get migraines. It seems like my body is sending me some kind of warning. All I can think about is, 
My job at the good speed requires me to perform three stage combat sequences with the actor who yesterday yelled in front of the cast, He's not fucking sorry! Yeah, that's the guy who's going to be throwing my body around the good speed stage eight times a week. Later that morning, I drag myself out of bed and make some coffee. I open up my computer. I think I need to email the stage manager. Think of a stage manager as the air traffic controller of a live theater production. They schedule and conduct the rehearsals. They facilitate communications between different departments and the actors. Once the show opens, they call the cues of the show and oversee every performance. Each night, any problems with the show, they're noted in a show report. That goes out to the creative team and management. And the stage manager is responsible for the health and safety of everyone on the stage. And the good speed stage manager? Meet Bradley G. Spockman. Bradley G. Spockman has been stage managing in the Opera House for 25 years. He knows the ins and outs and every nook and cranny of the theater, right down to its minuscule wing space. The stage right wing of the Opera House is a full eight feet, but the stage left wing is even more commodious. It's a full eight feet. And one inch. (laughs) When you first meet Bradley G. Spockman, you notice his unassuming quality. But a friend had warned me. Careful. He can be prickly. Up to this point, Bradley G. Spockman had actually been pretty nice to me. He told me, You're one of the more grounded members of the acting company, actually. So, I write that email. Dear Brad, I just confidentially want to bring to your attention that I'm concerned about the increasing emotional blow-ups by Chad at the cast. I'm not a child. Are you guys just making fun of me? You know what? I'm done. He's not fucking sorry. I've now seen four of these, and we haven't even opened yet. I say this because the onstage fights with him can have a tendency for him to increase the intensity a little beyond my comfort. And as we go into tech and the pressure starts to mount, I can kind of see where this is going. I hope I am wrong. I just want to stay in my zone this week and the rest of the run to pull off a very demanding role. Thanks, Brad. Proof, hit, send. I crawl back into bed. Oh, God. Something else occurs to me. Those small dressing rooms in the opera house. I reach for my laptop. Hey, Brad. Might be a good idea that I'm not seated next to Chad. That way I can focus on my work and not be distracted or stressed out by the drama offstage. Thanks, Brad. Proof, hit, send. Bradley G. Spockman replies back, As for dressing rooms, you were actually sharing a room with Chad. You've got to be kidding. However, I hear what you're saying. 
to let me see if I could figure out a way to finesse things. See you tomorrow. I reply back. Thanks, Brad. He does seem to pop off at the slightest things. None of us know what will make him blow up. I will do everything I can to make sure this is a pleasant and peaceful run for everyone. Proof, hit, send. I pull the covers up to get some sleep, knowing I had given notice to Goodspeed. Goodspeed had acknowledged the problem, and knowing Goodspeed could sweep in if something else occurs. The next week, something else does occur, and my predictions about Chad come true. Because during a public performance of Billy Elliot, Chad knocks me to the ground. Something that's not supposed to happen. Here's what is supposed to happen. Act 1, Scene 7 is a 13-minute epic number called Solidarity. It shows Billy learning to dance in ballet class while the miners battle with the cops in the streets. The lyrics repeat over and over, all for one and one for all, solidarity forever. A bit of an earworm song. At one point, a line of policemen form a barricade along the foot of the stage. I go between two cast members in the police line and yell scab out to the audience. The police line moves upstage, taking me along with it, until it splits, leaving me standing alone. Chad's character runs towards me as he tries to go after a policeman. I physically hold him back. He impacts the right side of my ribcage from the right side of my body. I throw him off my body. And then together, we exit through the audience. This is what actually happened. Chad changes the fight choreography. He slams hard into the left side of my body, but I'm braced for impact on the right side of my body as choreographed. This sequence has been staged and run in countless studio rehearsals, technical rehearsals, two dress rehearsals, and five public performances with my body braced for impact on the right. But tonight, Chad decides to impact me for the left, and I fall to the ground when I'm not supposed to fall to the ground. I feel like I'm in one of those slow motion sequences in movies where people always fall in slow motion. Oh, okay. And I'm on the floor now. I guess it doesn't occur to Chad in that moment to ad-lib in character, Dad, and help his father up, because he doesn't do that. Instead, he just looks at me on the ground and begins his exit. My onstage son has left me as solidarity roadkill? Chad and I have a long walk from the stage. We exit through the audience, down the house right aisle. We then walk down multiple flights of stairs from the back of the house. We come out of the stairwell and walk along the upper gallery on the second floor above the upper house lobby. We then walk through the Victorian room. We enter the hallway into the dressing room area. From there, we make our next entrances from backstage. It's the longest exit I've ever made in any show. But Chad 
has not said one word. I keep waiting for him to say something. Are you okay? I'm so sorry about that. But he's completely silent. This is not normal. In over 25 years of acting professionally, I've never seen this. Actors behaving badly, sure, we see it all the time. But another actor who is showing zero concern about another actor's safety? We don't behave like that in the theater industry. You don't behave like that in any industry. Something is happening at the good speed. I can feel it. Like I'm gradually being pulled into someone's chaos here. Someone else's dark world. And my mind races, wondering, what will I be pulled into next? Stay tuned for part two of episode four. If you or someone you love is struggling with their mental health, help is available. The National Alliance on Mental Illness is a free nationwide peer support service providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. Call the helpline at 1-800-950-6264 or text to 62640. That's 1-800-950-6264 or by text to 62640. And now, part two of episode four of Stage Combat. Fight Call. It's 24 hours before Billy Elliot at the Goodspeed opens, and the cast is sitting in the opera house. Director Gabriel Berry is going through his notes for last night's performance, the one where Chad knocked me to the ground. Gabriel Berry has written something regarding Billy Elliot's Act One musical number, Solidarity. Oh, we had a stumble there. What happened? Chad quietly says to Barry, I'll talk to you in private. Wait, I think to myself. In private? Um, no. We're going to talk about this right now. I stand up from my seat in the opera house and say to Gabriel Barry, What happened was I was knocked down in the performance last night and we need to fix it. A few moments later, the cast is assembled on stage. Um, uh, where are we starting from again? They're forming Solidarity's police line barricade along the lip of the stage. We run the moment of impact where I was knocked down by Chad. This time, Chad correctly impacts the right side of my body. But the impact is still too violent. I say to Chad, you can't hit me in my chest that hard. But just like last night, Chad doesn't say anything. No sorry about that. Nothing. I keep thinking about last night. What if this was an office setting? 
and good old Max from accounting knocks you down, right next to the copy machine. Max doesn't say anything, he just takes his copies and walks off. Then the next day, you're in a meeting with your boss. Your boss says, Oh, we had a stumble there. What happened? And your coworker Max says to your boss, I'll talk to you in private. Yeah, that kind of thing can get into your head. But I've got to focus on opening this show in just 24 hours. I tell myself, as long as nothing else happens. But a few hours later, something else does happen. It's 6.30 p.m., and the cast is assembled for Fight Call, just prior to the evening performance. Fight Call is a mini-rehearsal. It's held before every performance to run the stage combat sequences with the actors for their safety. It happens just before the theater opens up the house to the audience. Every theater production that has stage combat has a fight call. And because stage combat is simulated violence, any feelings of not feeling safe by an actor must be taken seriously. Act two of Billy Elliot has a big hand-to-hand stage combat sequence. It's called the kitchen fight. It's the most elaborate sequence in Billy Elliot. In this sequence, the character of Tony, played by Chad, is angry because Dad crossed the picket line. Tony starts a fight by shoving Dad in the chest. Dad then gets pummeled and thrown around the stage by Tony. Finally, little Billy tries to break up the fight, and Dad inadvertently hits Billy in the face, bringing Dad to one of his lowest moments in his arc. As usual, the fight call is conducted by the fight captain. This is where we need to meet Aaron. Aaron is a comic actor playing a supporting role in Billy Elliot. He's one of the cast members who expressed his sympathy to me the day Chad yelled, He's not fucking sorry. Director Gabriel Berry chose Aaron to be the fight captain. So I was surprised when Aaron told me in the dressing room that we shared together. Um, I have a long-standing problem dealing with conflict. I thought, well, that's odd. A fight captain. Afraid of conflict? How is that going to work? And now here we were, on the Goodspeed stage, about to find out. Chad and I prepared to begin the kitchen fight. Goodspeed stage manager Bradley G. Spockman and Aaron are standing by, as well as many members of the cast. The kitchen fight is choreographed to begin with this particular move. Chad is to approach my body, shove me in the chest. Of course, Chad isn't supposed to inflict actual force because I, as the receiver, I control the movement. I pretend that I have received force. And for the audience, it creates the illusion of violence. I stand on stage in front of Chad, preparing for the move. Chad charges at me. He thrusts his hands into my chest and uses actual force against my body. 
The force sends me stumbling backwards, and it knocks the air out of me. What has just happened? I feel like a human punching bag. This is not what I signed up for. I halt the fight call. I say, stop, stop, that is too hard. While I'm trying to catch my breath, I see the fight captain, Aaron, making gestures to Chad and saying, You don't have to hit him so hard. Chad rolls his eyes. He starts making faces. What? I look over at Bradley G. Spockman to see if he saw that. He did. But he doesn't say anything. I look over at Aaron. He also saw that. But he doesn't say anything. What is going on? Goodspeed, my employer, is about to put me out in front of a live audience. With this situation? I say to Chad, look, eye-rolling and making faces are not constructive when it comes to safety. But Chad is still sighing and huffing. (sighs) I didn't do anything. That wasn't too hard. I've done enough stage combat in my career to know that when an actor says in real time they've been hit too hard or they've had the air knocked out of them, that's not up for debate. And the fact that Chad wants to debate this is frightening. So I tell Chad, I don't feel safe on stage with you. I don't feel safe on stage with you. I am suddenly aware of a lot of things all at once. Like all of those eyes that are upon me right the now. mental distress that I am experiencing. It seems like no one at the good speed. The awareness that I have now this is spoken up to be a thing. At the the sinking speed. disappointment, the most prominent job happening of my career. It's really overwhelming. But I also know that standing on this stage right now, I do not feel safe. And I do know I have a right to say what happens to my own body. Back on the stage, Bradley G. Spockman and Aaron, they're still just standing there. There's no reaction to what I just said. The only thing I hear from Spockman is, Do you want to continue the fight call or take a break? I think to myself, how do we continue? Because you aren't resolving anything that's going on here. This is not a safe situation. I say, take a break. I step off the stage and stand in the aisle and look up. Seriously, what is going on here at why the good speed? Bradley G. Spockman and Aaron, why are they just pulling Chad on with the other stage combat like elements? This of the is show? just going to blow over. None of this is normal. Moments later, I step back onto the Goodspeed stage and we restart the fight call. And Chad is still telling the fight captain he didn't do anything wrong. 
Chad still wants to debate what my body felt. The clock is ticking and we're not getting anywhere. I say to Chad, take the note and let's move forward. We are all in this together. But Chad yells at me, Jesus, Sean, I'm not your child. Bradley G. Spockman stops the rehearsal. A rehearsal that he has lost control of. It is now almost 30 minutes before I'm going out in front of a live audience with an open safety issue and with a hostile actor. I sit in my dressing room and Bradley G. Spockman comes in. Normally at this time, I should be mentally preparing for my role. But instead, I'm telling Spockman that I don't feel safe at his theater. But Spockman just stares at me as I'm talking. Finally, he says, I get it. But then he stops himself, clams up. I don't know what he's doing. I've never seen a stage manager do this. When I worked at North Shore Music Theater, just weeks before this, with Gabriel Berry, the stage manager there was emphatic. She would stop a show in front of 1,500 people if any actor did not feel safe. But here today, at the Goodspeed Opera House, all I'm getting is a big blank stare from behind Bradley G. Spockman's glasses. I say to Spockman, should I just take my safety requests that I have to the fight captain in private so he can address them with Chad alone? Then maybe we won't get a volatile reaction from Chad. Spockman says, That sounds good. And he gets up to leave. But wait, I think to myself, why are we kowtowing to Chad? This isn't really that hard. Chad is an inexperienced actor. Just tell him how to take the safety notes. But Spockman is out the door. I put on my coal miner's costume. It's a jumpsuit, an insulated union jacket, and a hard hat with a light on top. Everyone, places for the top of Act One. This is your place's call. I look at myself in the mirror. And I give myself a pep talk to block out the distractions. Come on, Hayden. Just do the work. Here we go once again for a If you just deliver the work on stage, everything will be okay. Right? Haywood Productions offered The Goodspeed the opportunity to include a statement within this episode. The Goodspeed declined. Goodspeed's artistic director and managing director declined an invitation to appear on this podcast to discuss the narrator's account of his experience at the Goodspeed Opera House. 
coming up on the next episode of Stage Combat, a mental health story. We wait as everyone else slowly shuffles off, looking at us. Gabriel Berry starts. You know, I was really disappointed to hear that there were words between the two of you. Right, I think to myself, because you weren't there yesterday. Barry continues, and I'm going to start crying here, because... His voice trails off, and Gabriel Barry starts crying. Um, what is going on here at the good speed? This is not the opening night party that I dreamed of walking into. But it's a party, and I am about to walk into it. Stay tuned for a post-show talkback with Sean and his guest, psychologist Dr. Elisa Hurwitz. And when you point out a problem with the structure of a workplace, right, which a theater is, you are not the problem. If the structure of the, of the workplace is allowing you to be harmed, it's the workplace that's the problem. It's not you, even though you are raising your voice to say this is not okay. That's coming up now. Hey, everyone. It's Sean Hayden here. And welcome to our post-show talkback of episode four. And we have with us psychologist, Dr. Elisa Hurwitz. Dr. Hurwitz, thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Dr. Hurwitz, we've just had a very intense episode, I would call it. We see some safety issues that are going on in my job after being knocked down by another actor with no acknowledgement, and then another incident where I had the air knocked out of me. And our listeners heard where this actor wanted to debate what my body felt. And I actually, we have a thought bubble in this episode where I say, I do know I have a right to say what happens to my own body. And this brought me to think about discussing with you the concept of consent. And specifically within the world of performing artists, actors in the theater industry. What are we talking about there where I'm using in a broad sense and the way it's applying to me in this episode, the concept of consent? Consent is, is giving your, your yes or your no, particularly applying it to the, to the concept of intimacy. And, you know, we think of intimacy usually in sexual terms, but it's really, it can be emotional intimacy. You know, you can be, emo you can have emotional intimacy with somebody or, or, you know, somebody cannot ask for your consent for emotional intimacy, or asking, you know, an emotionally intimate question. It can be thousands of miles away. And certainly physical intimacy can be non-sexual. It can be, combat. It can be, you know, whether that is, you know, stage combat or being attacked physically. It can be, I don't feel safe on stage with you, which is what I say twice in this episode. Let's be clear about that. That's you being clear, saying, I don't consent to you hitting harder than we have agreed upon or hitting somewhere that we have not agreed to and we have not previously choreographed. So consent doesn't only apply to, to sexual intimacy or sexual situations. When I hear 
people being interviewed about work on a movie or, you know, and then they'll still describe like, oh, the, yeah, and this director didn't tell the other actors that this act, he told this actor to do this thing to slap this other person. And it just makes my stomach flip. It's horrifying. Yep. <laughs> so he could get the thing that he wanted rather than everyone being on the same page. And then let's all together get the thing that you want. And I think about, you know, in contrast, I was just listening to an interview with, I forget their last names, but they call themselves the Daniels. They directed everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. And they talked about how how they informed their actors of everything that they were doing. And they started every day with not only the cast, but the crew doing some kind of gathering activity, you know, whether it was mindful meditation or stretching. They did one that was kind of, you know, slow motion, non-touching fighting just to like connect people, you know, and get kind of get in sync, you know, and how much that created freedom, how much that created artistic freedom to make every, make sure that every actor was safe and felt safe, even down to if somebody had a dietary restriction, making sure that they were getting the food that they needed. I thought that was so beautiful and really speaks to also, you know, if ultimately the the purpose is the, the creation of the art and the art as commodity, you do better to treat your actors with the respect of autonomy and voice. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And in this episode, what's really alarming too is that no one in charge on the stage is addressing what is a very clear situation because I did draw a line in the sand. So how does anyone in that theater think that this is going to help the performance? Let's just take the actors out of it for a second. How's it going to help the performance that the audience is paying for? Because no one on stage trusts each other at this point. It's about people disenfranchising individuals' autonomy, for, because for whatever reason, that threatens their sense of control, their sense of directorship, their sense of what's right. That doesn't make it right. But like, that's what, you know, that's what they're thinking they're protecting some, you know, way, shape or form. There's a theme that I've heard from a lot of folks in the industry, especially women and folks who are non-binary or, or otherwise a marginalized gender and people of color who have said that they have been given the messages implicitly and explicitly to not speak up because then you're quote unquote a problem. That can be said very directly and that can be said in indirect ways, communicated in indirect ways. And when you point out a problem with the structure of a workplace, right, which a theater is, you are not the problem. If the structure of the, of the workplace is allowing you to be harmed, it's the workplace that's the problem. It's not you, even though you are raising your voice to say this is not okay. Absolutely. And what our listeners heard was after these incidents, and I'm pleading with the stage manager to do something, and there's no response. And it's it's bizarre to me. You know, it's something I'd never seen in 25 years of acting, but that is implicitly saying, we don't like you speaking up. You need to stop this because I'm not going to do anything about it, is what I'm hearing. Yes. Workplaces protect themselves. You being rightfully protective of yourself and calling out the harm that this individual caused to them, their perception is that this threatens the whole structure. And so they're going to protect the structure. Yes. And I think there's definitely a unequal bargaining power here. So you've got a stage manager who's been there 25 years, and I'm a 
not a Broadway star, you're one actor that comes across their stage and a full season when hundreds of actors come through. And so there is no power. Because the, what the industry tells actors is you're lucky to have this job. You are lucky because it is, it is a calling. One slot, you know, for this job and hundreds of actors who, you know, quote unquote, apply for it, right? So you're lucky to have this job. The listeners hear that in the very first episode that there is this unspoken rule that you're not supposed to speak up. And I always think of, oh, shut up, you're lucky to have a job, is the mentality that not all theaters, but it's certainly happening in this story that we're telling. And I think I've been encouraged in since the pandemic that there is a greater awareness that more actors are speaking up, but we need a lot more to speak up, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. And especially, I would say, you know, people who have been granted more positions of privilege, being male, being white, being cisgender, to speak up with people. And I think you're right, like the pandemic really brought a reckoning. And now what are we going to do? Are we going to go on with business as usual? Because I do think actors are a, are a group who are particularly susceptible to being experiencing abusive workplace because of that very dynamic of you're quote unquote lucky to have a job. I just saw Anthony Rapp. He uses his his position of power. You know, he's he's well known for rent, right? He's got to show off Broadway right now without you, based on his memoir about grief and he has used his position of power to speak truth to power, not just for himself, but with other people who are marginalized. It's really beautiful to see. It can't be always the people who are disenfranchised and are being taken advantage of who speak out. And this is in the theater industry and beyond. We need to speak up together. That's how the power structures remain as well, because they count on us not aligning. And we are so powerful aligned. I think a lot of our listeners who are from the theater community have been probably nodding their heads at a lot of what we've been talking about. And I also think this information is is insightful. It's helpful to our listeners, to whom we have introduced the world of the theater industry to. And we're all going to see how these issues of safety, consent, they're going to really play a prominent role in the story of stage combat. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Elisa Hurwitz is a clinical psychologist in group private practice in New Hampshire. Be sure to follow her at drdrama.com, that's D-R-Drama, and on Instagram at thedrdrama, that's T-H-E-D-R-Drama. Remember, this conversation and this podcast should not be considered a substitute for medical or mental health advice. So if you are experiencing any medical or mental health issues, please seek independent medical advice from a healthcare professional. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Stage Combat. Be sure to join us for episode five. It's called Opening Night. In our post-show talkback, Dr. Elisa Hurwitz will be joining us We're going to be talking about whether our bodies send us signals, warning signs, when it feels like it's in danger. Stage Combat, A Mental Health Story is a production of Haywood Productions, LLC. This episode was recorded and edited by Andrew Lynn. 
and it was directed and read by me, Sean Hayden. A special thank you to Dr. Elisa Hurwitz for joining us and to these incredible voice actors that we feature in these episodes. Please follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Stage Combat the Podcast, and also on Instagram at Stage Combat the Podcast IG. We would love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments. Maybe you would like to share your own experience. Email us at stagecombatthepodcast at gmail.com. I hope today and every day brings you an opportunity to claim your story. I'll meet you over at episode five. If you or someone you know is in crisis or contemplating self-harm, you can reach out to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by simply dialing or texting 988. That's 988. Mental health assistance is also available through the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's a free nationwide peer support service providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. You can call the helpline at 1-800-950-6264 or text HELPLINE to 62640. That's one 800 9506264 or by text to 62640